when you pick up some scratches Cause you want a fun break The playful way you scratch is the next choice you should make You can make your dog's leg kick and scratch with that You could even grab a laser pointer and use your cap You can build yourself a homemade scratching machine Or use a piece from your chest set Go ahead, grab the queen Scratch like a DJ with your record player A cactus could scratch off that scratchable layer Cause when it comes to scratching, there's a million playful ways Thanks to scratches from the California lottery A little play can make your day Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase, play, or claim. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. New activation and upfront payment for three-month plan required. Taxes and fees extra. Additional restrictions apply. See mintmobile.com for full terms. Introducing Carvana Value Tracker, where you can track your car's value over time and learn what's driving it. It might make you excited. Whoa, didn't know my car was valued this high. It might make you nervous. Uh Uh-oh, market's flooded. My car's value just dipped 2.3%. It might make you optimistic. Our low mileage is paying off. Our value's up. And it might make you realistic. Mm, Car prices haven't gone up in a couple weeks. Maybe it's time to sell. But it will definitely make you an expert on your car's value. Carvana Value Tracker. Visit Carvana.com to start tracking your car's value today. And welcome back to Little Cuts, the weekly mini-sode where we dig into the things that we've been watching and or playing recently. <gasps> I'm Terry. I'm Mary Beth. And we're talking about, this week, underground dystopias, bachelorette parties gone wrong, Anna Ferris trying to keep it together, mood, Anna Camp in horror, it's the Anna mm. episode, um, cosmic yeah, horror and stick figures, and coming-of-age alien stories. Ugh, I can't wait. But I have to say, I have to... Before we get into this, Mary Beth, I have a bone to pick with you. Okay. How I don't know what's it? coming. I don't know what's about to come. I have known you since 2019, and I am just now finding out that you swam with sharks. Oh, I've never told you that? No. I've never told you that? I don't believe It's like, so. it's so weird. It's like from such a different part of my life. You know what I mean? Because like, so this is in reference to a story I told on a podcast that was just a clip was just tweeted out as of us recording and I retweeted it with a picture, uh, visual evidence of the story. So I, when I left my job at Discovery, uh, Discovery Channel, I had made a friend who her husband was the head of a shark research lab in the Bahamas. And I was like, I just quit my job. I had another job lined up. I had two weeks and I was like, fuck it. I'm going to go to the Bahamas for a week and go something with sharks. And like, when I said the Bahamas, it's not like a resort island. It's literally like a fucking deserted island. There's no groceries. I had to bring all my own food because there was no place to buy food on the island. Oh. Oh, yeah. My, my suitcase was like snacks and like microwavable stuff that I could eat. Um, and like there was a small restaurant, but it was really far away and it was super expensive because everyone was happy. Like you had to like import everything. Right. Anyway, so I went down there, stayed for a week and... I went swimming with sharks one day and it's like a big place for hammerheads and nurse sharks. So they took me out and we went swimming with sharks and they were all at the bottom and I didn't 
want to go to the bottom because I wasn't super confident in my ability to hold my breath because it was like deep. And it, we weren't scuba. We were just like doing um, snorkeling. And so I was just like having fun at the top. Just like, look at all the sharks. And they're like, yeah, they never leave the bottom. And uh, well, guess the fuck what? This hammerhead was like, but I would like to say hello to this woman. Came up off the bottom. <laughs> and if you look on Twitter, it's like right by my butt. And I have to find the other picture because the picture that I posted is from my perspective of it coming up. It was a video that I took of it coming up to me. And another person with me got a picture of my head above the water and it's literally like on my butt. And it was just a hammerhead shark. And it was really, really cool. And uh, that trip was like really amazing. I got to hold like baby sand sharks. Um, I, I got to go, I went swimming with a, someone I met there and we like found a bunch of eagle rays swimming around. Yeah, it was like the coolest trip ever. I'm really jealous. It was jealous. a long time ago, but not a long, I'm but really it was like a cool jealous. Because uh, I had the opportunity to go into a cage with sharks, and then it all fell apart. Mm. And I am very jealous. Where were you going to go cage diving with sharks? So we went to Hawaii to visit um, one of my friends who was in the Navy. And she mm. was like, it was her last year in the Navy. And she had a place. So all we had to do really is pay for a ticket to get there. We could stay at her place. And so we did. And the only thing I said is, I want to go in a cage with sharks. And it was so windy that we couldn't do it until the very last day that we were there. And we get there, we get out in a boat. It's the four of us, um, two people we don't know that came along because everyone gets out on this boat. We drive? No. <laughs> we boat out to the... Uh... Did you drive a boat? I guess it kind of makes okay. sense. We boat out to where it's like in the ocean and the cage is just floating there. We had to pair up to go in and my... Two, two of my friends were dating, so they were going to go in together. And me and Jamie, the person we were visiting, were going to go in. And then there's the other two couple. Well, Jamie started freaking out a little bit. And she's like, can we not go? Can we go last? And I was like, sure, that's fine. We can go last. And so my two friends go in, go under the water. I think they're, I think it was, if I remember correctly, it was just lemon sharks, maybe okay. um, a couple nurse sharks. Like, nothing to, we're not talking great whites or, or even hammerheads by that stretch. But they're in the water with them. And then they get out, had a great time, took lots of pictures. Then the other couple go in. And she panics. And she kicks the plexiglass that is. Shut! Like they, had a, they had a big gap, like this, I think probably like this big. Like, just, it's big enough that something could, could swim in. And so they had a plexiglass up. Well, she kicked the plexiglass out. He said, can't go in. So I lost my chance to go in. You were even right there. Yeah. I would have set someone on fire. Like, oh, I, I wanted to. The daggers that were coming out of my eyes at, at that woman because she panicked and kicked the fucking plexiglass. And it was the last day. So that All right, motherfuckers, it. we're getting you in the water with sharks. We're going to figure it out, though. <laughs> probably a sh cage and not like me where my friend like they were all shark researchers like they were very smart mm -hmm. but they're like you'll be fine they don't come up surprise yeah. they came up <laughs> this was almost like 20 years ago for me now and i still hold on to that oh i am i would too if i if i ever found out who that was she would be getting nasty notes from me on a constant. whoever you were if you somehow listen to this fuck you <laughs> If you were in Hawaii sometime in like, I don't even remember when, 2007-ish maybe, fuck you. <laughs>
Yeah. But anyway, th- enough about sharks and stuff. I just, I, I saw that literally right before we were going to record and I was like, are you kidding me right now? I just, I forget. It's so, it's like terrible. I didn't forget. But like they asked, like this podcast asked about my whole career and I was like, if you want the full fucking like weird path I've gone down, I'm happy to tell you. And the shark story was included. And I was like, oh my God, wait, I did swim with, huh. That's so cool. Anyway. All right. Uh, let's start. A bachelor party's gone wrong. I think I know what this one is. I'm curious. All right. So this is Bury the Bride, the new film from Spider One, uh, co-written by him and his and his partner Chrissy Fox. Look, I wasn't sure what to expect. Like I, you know, I was I wasn't like the biggest fan of their last film. Um, but like you know, it's cool that he's making movies and there's like a punk rockness to them that like I'm really into. So I was like, all right, well. Let's see what this is all about. It played at Panic Fest. And I was like, all right, whatever. Like, let's just try it. I was so surprised with how much I liked it. It is like, so it follows a a group of women, all friends, who are going to a bachelorette party for their friend June, who is getting married to a man that they don't all very much like. Because he is very, like, he is like what you, he is like a country boy. Like, he is not of the city. He is not like, you know, what they think she deserves. He is just like from a poor community. And their her bachelor party is at like a farmhouse in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, things will go great. It'll be fine. Totally. And so there's all of these like is like infighting with the women. And there's some really interesting like dynamics going on with all of these women. And then June's fiance and his friends show up and... They're like, you know, big beards, thick accents, wearing camo, but they're not portrayed as like stupid hillbillies. They're just like, so a lot of what's happening in this movie is like presenting you with horror, with with characters you like know as horror tropes and stereotypes, but it kind of breaks mm-hmm. that mold. And it's like, okay. yeah, these guys are what you might think are hillbillies, but they're actually rather smart and well-spoken and like emotionally intelligent and they're not just like dumb hicks like they like they all think they are and by all i mean like all of the women except for june um chas bono is in this uh, with a cameo as one of his friends named puppy oh weird yeah random and so as the night goes on everyone's a little bit on the edge and kind of just like what the like what is going on why are these guys here we hate him and then there's a twist and i don't want to spoil the twist because it's a really good twist but it like just becomes like bloody nightmare. And I was thoroughly surprised and impressed. It's very like handheld shaky cam stuff, not found footage, but there's like a lot come a lot of those moments. There's a lot of really interesting like discussions about sisterhood, not just with, you know, your blood sister, but with your, you know, your friends who are women. And mm-hmm. I just like I really enjoyed it. It's on Tubi. It's streaming on Tubi. It's pretty oh, short. Is it really? Yeah, it just came out on Tubi last week. Oh, okay. Yeah, it kind of like, but yes, hooray for Tubi, Kate, for real. Because they're doing a lot more like acquisition of like original horror content now, which is really interesting. They're kind of trying to play in that space. And so this is one of those movies. And I guess another reason why I was like, "Mm, some of the Tubi originals like have been a little bit like, "Mm." but this one, again, I was really surprised. Chrissy Fox acts in it. Scout Taylor Compton is um, June, the bride. Chrissy Fox is her sister. And yeah, I was just like pretty impressed and pretty surprised. It's a good like three, three and a half star movie. It's like short, bloody. I just like, 
I really liked it. So I wanted to, to talk check about that out it since it's yeah. on on Tubi because like I I didn't request that one because I wasn't sure and now I kind of wish I did. <laughs> yeah, I, again, like I was I was pleasantly surprised. They it feels like they're because they're like you know they're together. I think they're married or at least like they have a kid together, and it feels like after Allegoria they're they're really hitting their kind of groove. It feels like okay. He learned a lot from directing. She's directed and written stuff before, but I feel there's like a confidence I feel like in this movie that I haven't felt before. So, oh yeah, yeah, that's cool. Uh, yeah, so let's talk about underground dystopias. Sure. Yeah. So there is. Um, I say sure as if like I wasn't prepared. To I know. I was like, sure, I mean, you brought it. I was that. like, I mean, you don't have to. <laughs> I don't know what this is, but like. Okay, so there was a book series, um, uh, and I wish I had actually pulled it up before I... (laughs) Okay, Hugh Howey wrote a book called Wool and turned it into a series called Silo, and... Oh, okay. There is now an Apple TV show that is premiering next Friday... And the embargo is finally up so I can talk about it. I'm not going to talk in deep because I am covering it with Joe Lipset between our blogs like we do. So um, if you're following, if you're going to be watching it, follow along with us as we dig into it. Because I have not read the book. So I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. And I honestly, the first episode, I was like, I still don't know if, if this is really going to click with me. Because there's a lot of, and I'll get to, I'll talk about what it's about. But there's a lot of like dystopian tropes that we're seeing in this first episode where it's like, yeah, something really isn't wrong in de- is really wrong in Denmark, and obviously something's wrong with it. This isn't like a trying to hide it type of thing. This is like, yeah, why would people do this? And so there's like a lot of the, the it hits a lot of these notes in that first episode where it, it feels like an accelerated any kind of dystopian young adult or otherwise that you've probably read in the in the intervening like decade okay. from like Hunger Games and whatnot. It hits a lot of these same tropes. Um, but it's basically, there's this giant silo that was built underground. No one knows why. No one knows. They've just been in there for hundreds of years, probably. There was a rebellion at one point where the rebels tried to exit the silo out to the world that is apparently poisoned. And um, the founders, like, you start to hear this language and it's like, this is all kind of dystopian. The founders okay. end up quashing the rebellion and uh-huh. they made it so that, like... Uh, they destroyed anything pre-rebellion, everything that you can't have anything pre the rebellion because it's considered illegal and they call it relics of an ancient time that doesn't exist anymore. They say that the po- this, the place is poisoned. They have like a camera up there that shows everyone the kind of desolate nature up there. And whenever someone says that they want to go out there, they're allowed to and they're basically sentenced to death and they are, go out there and they're told to, to clean the lens if they want to, because the lens gets dirty out there. And so then they send them out with a wool cloth. And so it's like, it's very much an obvious, like pulling the wool over your eyes and using the wool cloth to clean this image. Like it's very ham handed. And I was like, I don't know if this is going to be good. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say or like, this is going to be, this is like the giver with a different. It, it So it's like hitting all of those those beats but it's very accelerated and by the end of the first episode shit goes down by the end of the epi- second episode shit goes down even more and by okay. the end of the third episode i was like i am sold because the third episode is an hour long 
and it's like half of it is story building and world building and then the other half is the characters dealing with a generator that is malfunctioning and it is it is a thrilling 30 minute sequence of people trying to like get this generator going get it because they only have a certain amount of time they can do it it's like building up pressure and there's like this perfect fantastic use of editing with this and the cast is is stellar i was gonna say i looked it up and i was like holy shit (laughs) yeah rashida jones is in it tim robbins is in it rebecca ferguson from dr sleep and a bunch of stuff is in it she's fantastic she is an engineer she's the main character will Patton is in it um there's just like a David Oweloo is in it too. Yeah, he plays Rashida Jones's um, husband. He's like a sheriff that is trying to keep law. And his wife in the first episode is like, "There's something wrong here. I'm getting to the bottom of it." And it sort of follows them, and then it transitions to following Juliet, played by Rebecca Ferguson. And it is oh. so far. I'm only three episodes in. Um, they're debuting two episodes next week, and then it's going to be a, a weekly thing on Apple TV. I went from being very dubious about it to being hooked. So I would say if you have Apple TV, give it a try. Wait, that's so, so I, I'm just like looking at stuff about the, the, the book and apparently he pup, Hugh Howie partially publishes independently on amazon.com. Like this wasn't like a big, that's so good. Oh, that's kind of cool. That I was just like, all right, cool. I'm going to do it myself. Yeah. Huh. And then he created a successful series on it, and Jeez. now he has an Apple TV show. So that's, uh, it's a really cool story right there. But yeah, so I I have seen posters. I haven't watched the trailer. I've I've decided that I don't like trailers anymore, and that I will only watch them if forced Same. to do so for work or if like I'm at a movie theater. At a movie theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. But I've, I've I've seen things, and it looks I've seen. But it looks really, it looks really interesting. So I'm glad to know all of that. And that, that typical, like, kind of, okay, dystopia, hiding the truth, we get it. And it blows up. Yeah. I like, okay, very good to know. Yeah, I was going to so say, it I, sounds I like think... this series, Gurren Lagann. Have you ever watched Gurren Lagann? Have you ever heard of it? Um, no. it's, it's an anime series where basically okay. there's, like, a bad thing happened and everyone lives underground in, like, these really, these holes. And if they want to go out, it's, like, forbidden to go out. And it's, like, what happens when you leave the place? We all love yeah. those stories. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think I think it's going to be good uh, because cool. the, by the third episode, yeah, I was I was hooked. I think it's smart to for them to air the first two episodes together. Because they definitely are connected together. And I think by the end of the second episode, uh, things are a lot better than the initial very YA. Like, it's not YA, but it feels YA. You know what I mean? Like, it's about adults. Like, these aren't Yeah, but it's like, it's got those, like, that YA lens on it. Where you're like, The Divergent, The Hunger Games, that kind of, that kind of feel. But... They must it's know good. that it follows that, and they're like, we have to do the two together so people don't think we're giving them, like, the same shit that they've seen a million times before. Yeah. Smart, but again, like you said, smart, like, good for them. Okay. Well, that's very good to know. Yeah. Okay, I am dying to hear about this one. Anna Camp and Horror. Ugh, okay. So, this is the new Shutter film that I believe, as of the recording of this podcast, as of the, not the recording, as of the release of this podcast episode, is out now on Shutter. Oh, is it really? Yeah, I think so. so. Far behind. I know, well, 
There's fucking 6,000 movies coming out this week. Yeah, it's out on Friday. Okay, cool. So this is from Black. This is a new Shutter film starring Anna Camp, who we we know and love from Pitch Perfect, but Mm. also from True Blood. And excuse me? I know. And it's like, it's, I felt so bad because I was like, I know that this is you trying to be like a serious, like trying a more serious role. And the best thing about it, she dyed her hair black. So she does not look like herself at all. So it's like, like to, it's to her advantage because it, it takes you out of the whole, like that kind of prim and perfect image that she has in a lot of the movies that she's in like as a blonde like a preppy blonde girl with like a perky voice and kind of looks like barbie she has so different in this so she plays um a an addict who a heroin addict whose son goes missing um while she is high with her boyfriend yikes and as after her son disappears she gets clean and she spends years looking for him. And so she's like been trying to look for him. She's clean. She's going to meetings and she's just like trying everything she can to like start over her life. But it's just like grief has consumed her. And so someone in her grief group goes, would you do anything to get him back? And she goes, yeah. And so what ensues is this ritual where she is trying to satiate something to give her her kid back from wherever her like whatever happened to her kid and if any of you listeners have seen a dark song it's got a similar it's it's not the same but it's very similar vibes in terms of she goes to a house with a guy who says i can do this ritual for you to get your kid back but here it's a little bit more playing with grief about being a not perfect mother and there's a lot more kind of it's a there's a lot more going on with like also creature stuff too but essentially it becomes this like terrifying claustrophobic ritual where things go wrong and and it's 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 shot like it begins in media rest basically and it kind of you're watching it parallel of like what's happening and then flashing forward to the present where she has been found by the cops and she's covered in blood and she's like it's following me it's following me you can't leave me alone it's gonna get me yeah so i think it's it's a little long but i was really impressed with anna camp in this i think she was she's incredible as this like tough but fragile character who like is doing her damnedest and putting on a mask but is like on the edge of just like falling apart and Interestingly, so Thomas Marchese, I think that's how you pronounce his last name, who directed it. This is his like first feature. And he based a lot of this. I, I interviewed them, which is why I'm pulling this out, but it was fascinating. He was a fucking homicide, like child crimes homicide detective for 15 years and based this movie what? around shit that he saw for 15 years as a homicide detective. And he retired because he got stabbed. <laughs> and then he made this movie. Oh. He sounds like a fascinating person. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Really fascinating story when he was like, yeah, I was a child sex crimes police officer. And I was like, I'm sorry. Are you okay? (laughs) Like, I, can I hug you? Like that's terrible. Like a cab, but, (laughs) but like that man lived like a whole, like lived people's horror stories kind of shit. Like, and he wrote this movie that is not entirely based on that, but like he drew from a lot of his experiences. I was like, that makes a lot of sense. Kate says, um, it sounds like a dark song meets the monster. Is that? I have to think about the monster for a second. I think so. Yeah. I've actually never seen that one. 
Yeah, it's not bad. It's just like it's not Brian Bertino's best work, but it's also like really sad. Like it's really really sad. So it's like oh, it's a hard one to watch. In the monster. Yeah, and like the I'm mom try. trying to be a better mom, but just like being frustrated. Yeah, but I mean mm. Anna Camp, she killed it. She's really really good. I was really impressed. Um, I hope she does more horror projects because she she has the fucking range. Let me tell you. So you're giving me all these movies I need to watch this weekend. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Since they're both out and I totally miss them. <laughs> yeah. And they're both relatively like short. So on the subject of Anna, Anna's being yeah. awesome. Anna Fair is trying to keep it together. Yeah, so while I was having a bad mental health day this weekend, I was in bed and I was like, I don't want to go to bed. I want to watch something. What should I watch? And I don't know why, but I've been thinking about watching this movie for the longest time. And I finally was like, you know what? This is the perfect time. And so I sat down and well, lay down and I watched Smiley Face. I need to see that. No, but I know about it, and I've heard such good things about it. Yeah. So Anna Anna Ferris. It's it's directed by Greg Araki. Yes. Um, (laughs) Greg Araki. And it is, it is a stoner comedy. And I started realizing as I was watching this, I don't think there's any other stoner comedies that are like maybe there are, but like I don't, I can't think of any at the top of my head that are woman fronted. Like side characters, sure. Yeah. But like as a protagonist, is like the main character. I don't think I really can think of any, to be perfectly honest with you. It is mostly dudes. Yeah, and so so she Anna Ferris plays a um, young actress who likes to get high and she has a very creepy roommate played appropriately by now creepy dude Danny Masterson. He is like a, a creepy a creepy roommate for her. And he makes these cupcakes, he puts them in the, in the refrigerator and says, do not touch. This is for a Trek convention, a Star Trek convention, <laughs> which he is like fronting. I don't know. It's weird. But then, so she she's, has the munchies she wants to eat. So she eats them and then realizes that they are marijuana cupcakes and she has eaten all of them. And so she is trying to go through her very busy day of paying paying the electric bill. Um, going to an audition, and then f- also finding weed to make him more cupcakes because she needs to replace them. And it is basically Anna Ferris just being high as fuck and having the most hilarious monologues. There is this one monologue that just like had me just giggling nonstop because she is literally just like sunk down in her chair. And she's talking about how, like, where corn chips come from and how, like, the person that made them probably really loves corn. And she's like, is that what you're supposed to put in a frame are things that you love? And she's like, I really love lasagna. I should put lasagna in a frame. And she's like, no, you know who else really loves lasagna? Garfield the cat. Maybe as a shorthand of way saying I love lasagna, I could put him in a frame. She's like, oh, no. What about a photo of President Garfield? Because that would be so meta. And then people would ask, Jane, why do you have a photo of President Garfield on your mantle? And I'd be like, because I love lasagna, of course. That is the most beautiful example of like stoner <laughs> bullshit I've ever heard. Of just like talking yourself into the most ridiculous shit. 
Uh-huh. I need I I wanted to watch this movie for a long time, but now you're really making me like just Anna Fair's one is like the funny like she is she is fucking the best. hysterical. Like she is so funny. And I love how she seems like she's blonde and kind of talks like this, but she's the fucking funniest person. Like in everything. She, has, she is so she funny. She has no ego in anything she does because the no. things that she does, she is able to like to go to places that I think most actresses are like, uh, I don't want to look stupid, but she's yeah. able to like fully fucking embrace that and just be like, no, I'm going to be silly. And that's what I love about her. She is so infectious. And I'm really surprised that I, like, I, I guess I had seen this movie once before, but I don't remember it. Maybe I saw like a snippet of it. So like, this was really my first time really watching it. And I'm upset that it took me this long. It's only streaming on like free places like Tubi and Freebie. There's no where to like, buy it like digitally or rent or anything like, like that very okay. weird that greg's movies are not readily available i'm gonna call homophobia but uh i i yeah. agree with that yeah because he he also did um mysterious skin mysterious skin his uh doom generation doom is generation, just got like yeah. a restoration and is like going to festival uh, or playing somewhere i think so like his yeah movies, he was like really responsible for like new queer cinema. Like he was really in yeah. that in that range back in the early nineties. Mm-hmm. And I just I feel like his movies aren't readily available anywhere. And yeah, it really makes me upset. It feels like homophobia and like no one cares about nineties stoner cinema and or like, you know, different because per- I know he also did Nowhere, which looks awesome. And then he also directed I didn't realize this, he directed episodes of Dahmer, that um Dahmer Netflix yeah. series. But I want to see more from him. I think he has a really fascinating POV. But I also wonder, like, I'm always so fascinated with filmmakers who, like, a lot of their, like, renown comes from making very, films that feel very much of a certain era. Like, Mm -hmm. his movies are so very much, like, well, Mysterious Game is 2004. And then, what was Smiley Face? 2007. 2007. Okay. But, like, you know what I mean of, like, the late 90s, early 2000s. Like, that was just such a very specific, aesthetically specific time period. Mm -hmm. And I feel like his work really captures all around aspects of that time period. So I'm very curious, like, what he would make now. Well, it's because, like, the last thing that I think, the last thing that I think he kind of wrote yeah, the last thing he wrote was Now Apocalypse, which was a hilarious stars series that lasted okay. for a single season that I I really loved. Um, and I was really sad that it didn't get picked up for a, another season. But yeah, I just, I don't know. He's like, he's directed a lot of TV, it seems like. 13 Reasons oh. Why, Riverdale, others. <laughs> okay, well, maybe that Dahmer. makes sense that he directs episodes of TV like that. He also, wait, he did a movie called White Bird and a Blizzard in 2014 that starred Eva Green and Shailene Woodley. Random. <laughs> Never heard of that before, but all right. No, I haven't either. Huh. I, 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 after watching it, I was like, I really want to go down his filmography because I'm not as familiar with it, but like a lot of it is very difficult to find. And that makes me really sad. But anyway, you want to see Anna Ferris talk about lasagna and sink into her couch and be high as fuck. Smiley face recommended highly recommended very funny very funny okay coming of age alien stories okay so this was a movie that 
friend of the show, Kayla Heyer, who is an incredible person and PR rep, recommended to me because this played at Boston Underground Film Festival. I did not cover that because I can only do so much to myself. But she told me that I should check this movie out. And I am so glad that you told me about it because it is, uh, I don't even know. We'll get, I'll, I'll figure out how to describe it. It's like, it's got wanting mare vibes, but like placed in reality, like our reality in terms of okay. being like this very kind of like beautiful, slow, weird sci-fi thing. So this is Spaghetti okay. Junction. This is a movie called Spaghetti Junction. It was, so it was directed by Kirby McClure. This is their first film. And it follows this young girl named August who has recently lost her leg. And the actress Kate Hughes, who plays August, um, actually is also disabled and doesn't have, is, is an amputee. So that's kind of a cool, there's a, it, it plays, it talks about the her amputation and like her not feeling like whole and just like not knowing where to fit in in her life. And she lives in the deep south with her sister and her dad. And her mom died in a car accident, the same car accident where she lost her leg. And so this is a family living in the South in a pretty poor, like a relative, like blue, like blue collar family. Um, the dad is not doing well with the loss. Her sister has a shitty boyfriend and August is just like kind of adrift. She's like 13 or 14. And then one day she feels something pulling her to this cave. And what she finds in this cave is a boy, uh, but he's it's something has taken over his body he is something from another world and she decides that this is her purpose in life now is to help him find his way to saving the world essentially and it sounds really it sounds silly like it could be it could be like a very silly movie and like very kid-like but it's actually like incredibly affecting because a lot of it are these like very quiet moments with August or her family like sitting in silence and kind of just like it's it's very much a coming of age story about a young girl trying to figure out her own grief and her own like desire in the world because a lot of her a lot of like in her, her um there's a lot of voiceover where that took her inner monologue talking about how she just wants to disappear and how finding this creature gives her kind of like a purpose. And okay. it is, it's fascinating in like the trek. So she basically has to go on a little, a trek to help him find um, like a map maker. And it's just like, it, it devolves into like this super weird aesthetic that I think is really fascinating. And it's got like, it's like Southern Gothic aliens. Wow. Okay. Yeah, like contemporary Southern Gothic aliens. I love that. Yeah, and it's like, it's sad, but beautiful. It's beautifully shot. And I just compare it to The Wanting Mare just because of that. Like the parallels in terms of like telling really beautiful sci-fi stories mm -hmm. with this like very much like everyday people trying to live through things and experiencing like very big emotions in very bizarre situations. It's beautifully shot, beautifully acted. Yeah, it melds a lot of familiar genres to make something really interesting. Like, you'll see the coming-of-age movie tropes, but, like, with the alien stuff mixed in, it's, like, really fascinating. So, yeah, I don't... That's making the festival circuit right now. I don't believe it has okay. distribution yet, but keep an eye out for it. Spaghetti Junction. It is... 
It's a special movie. Oh, yeah. That yeah. sounds really cool, actually. Uh, yeah. And let's end this on Cosmic Horror and Stick Figures. Um, I'm assuming this is the game you were playing that you were talking it about? It is the game I was playing. Yeah, so back in, like, I think early 2000s, maybe 2003, uh, there was this web-based game called Kingdom of Loathing that uh, was created by um, Zach Johnson and a small team. And it was like a web-based, almost like an MMO with stick figures. And then he made a single-player role-playing game in 2017 called West of Loathing that takes the the Kingdom of Loathing and puts it in like a Western theme, but also has like bizarre monsters in it. Well, then last year, and I didn't even know this, this came out until just recently, there was um, another game called Shadows Over Loathing. It takes the Loathing aesthetic and the the story and moves it into the 1920s in a Lovecraftian eldritch horror setting. Oh my god. A character who goes to the city uh to find his his uncle um who's missing and there's like relics that are cursed that you have to go find and it is literally you are a stick figure. Everyone in this game are stick figures. It's black and white. Oh my god, the aesthetic is so cool. The aesthetic is so fucking cool. And the only reason it came to my attention was that there was like a Nintendo Switch um, indie spotlight like a few weeks ago, maybe last week even. And oh. they announced that it's coming to the Switch. It's It was released that day on the Switch. And so I was like, oh, shit, this is already out. And so I, I went over and I bought it on PC and I've been playing it off and on. I'm not done with it yet, but I really wanted to kind of put a light on this because this is... It's hilarious. It is so silly. There is like you you find different equipment that you can like uh, that you can wear, and there's all these shoes, and each shoes does something different. You wear sandals, and you make like sounds as if you're moving through the uh, like the beach, and you leave like a trail of of dirt behind you. There's one where you find like a, one shoe <laughs> and a trash can, and if you put it on your body, you start to like gallop with like one foot and your two arms because you can't move with your other foot. Like it is just so fucking silly the things that that happen in this game. Museum but it is of also, skulls. Yeah, it is also like there is a house. There's this one house where like it's called like I think I can't remember the name of it. Is like a droning house or something that you that you stumble across. And there's like a loud droning noise coming from inside the house, and you like go into the house because it's a role playing game, and you just enter anyone's house in a role playing game, and you hear like this sound, and you go upstairs, and there's someone that is literally playing, I can't remember what instrument it was, but like a single note, and he's like been playing it for a very very long time, and he's like, if I stop playing, the evil in the basement will come alive. And you can, like, say, yeah, keep playing, or you can convince him to stop. And so I convince him to stop, and then you go downstairs, and everything that was, like, pristine in the house is now damaged and destroyed, and there's floating things. And you go into the basement, and you basically end up finding this, like, this gem. <laughs> and you have a decision to, like, either destroy it or take it with you. And I was like, I'm going to take it with me. And it's like, you really shouldn't do that. The game is telling me. It's very witty. The game is very... It's it's. There's no voice dialogue, but all the, the writing is so fucking hilarious. And it's like, you really shouldn't do this. I'm like, I'm going to take it out anyway. Uh, this isn't a good idea. And you take it out, and the house just sort of, like, collapses in on itself and vanishes. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you have this, like, cursed artifact with you. It's just... There's a lot of these little tiny vignettes in here, and it is... It has, like... A role-playing game where it's turn-based battles, sort of like earlier fan- Final Fantasies, where you put in your commands and you do attacks. It's very do you have simplistic. a team? Do you have like a like a team of people? 
Or party. Have, like, Jesus um, Christ, party. I was like, what the fuck is the word? You got a team? So, <laughs> you have, like, a little pet. I have this turtle that's been following me around. Oh, and I just recently oh. got a mosquito. And so I replaced the turtle with a mosquito because the mosquito will go drain life from an enemy and give it to you. And then you get random people that will join you. And the person I have now is a queer woman who talks about her girlfriend and has a Tommy gun and just like sprays the Tommy gun at enemies. And it's just, it's so funny. It's so silly. It's so, it's cosmic. It has an absolute revenance for like eldritch horror cosmic horror and stuff and i really am having a blast playing it uh so if it's only on switch and uh mac and windows but if you have one of those i highly recommend giving this one a try i was gonna say i have a switch and i have to i also have to play dredge the cosmic yes, horror dredge. fishing game so i have uh, two cosmic I, i've been meaning to talk about that one too okay well don't talk about it this week because then i'll play it i i will this is my this is my motivation to buy it and play it for next week then we can talk about it how about that hell yeah cool sounds good I, i'm holding you to that no sir please because i need to stop i need to stop playing stardew valley if you need to play another goddamn game on my switch for oh, life of me, please it's girl i've been thinking about trying that again like it, no it, it is the perfect depression video game oh like, i know you uh, yeah it is perfect <laughs> like know. feel accomplished and zone out and maybe spend too much time playing it you're like just one more day just one more day and you're like god damn yeah, it. i played it i played it a long time ago before like any of the new patches that like basically say, doubled the content so there's like yeah. a lot that i have not seen yeah because there's like a whole new island never even knew that existed Ooh, until like yeah. recently when they were when he was talking about releasing 1.6 or something like that <gasps> i know he's putting a pause on haunted chocolates here which i'm really sad about because i really want to play uh, haunted I know, chocolates here i really want to play that game so bad i want that game the, there's gonna be an update of stardew valley with more content and i'm like so, look, I'm getting concerned Abe content regardless. Um, everybody, please play Stardew Valley. It is so much fun. It's perfect. It's perfect. All I want to do is take care of my chickens and pick my fruits and go fight weird things in And smooch Sean. I think that's right. <gasps> uh, oh, my God. You too? You you did yeah. a I can fix him move? Oh, my God. Why yes, I did. Why are we the same person? <laughs> <laughs> did you too? Uh-huh. That's hilarious. I was like... It was either well. I have a couple saves where I romance women, like I do, uh-huh. I do gay shit. But I did one where I romance Sean. He's like, you're the only guy in this game that like I mo- I moderately enjoy, even though you're kind. You're yeah. like an alcoholic dickhead, but like you're very sweet. And then you're like, I can fix him, He's and then you cute. fix him with jalapeno poppers. As you do. As you do. <laughs> that um, fix everything. <laughs> you know, I yeah, God damn, I really wish it could. Um, but uh. aside from. Now, me playing Dredge and talking about it with you next week. What are we, what series are we starting next okay. week, Siri? So uh, we've been like debating a couple different ones, and we had one, but we're like, ah, we got to figure out a movie if we're going to do that one. So we're going to save that one for a little bit later. And we're going to... We talked about this back when we discussed Final Destination. And so it's finally coming around full circle. We're going to introduce Mary Beth to the rest of the Final Destination movies, which she has seen none of except for the very first one. We're going to go down that path, and I cannot wait. I'm so excited. I'm so, so excited, because I know it's an amazing franchise. I know a lot about it. Like, Well, not a ton, but like I know the kills, and so I'm just excited to get to experience all of the different kills. Like I, under- I know that not all of them are amazing, but all of them include weird-ass ways to die. So, like, 
I'm very excited to start yep. this this final destination journey. I'm already terrified of the logs on trucks, so like, <laughs> I uh, girl, we're gonna start with that one because I know with number two because we've already seen one. So and we'll talk get all ready about to be that traumatized. shit. Isn't that anyway? Because I remember we talked about it, and I feel like we talked about how like final destination really shaped an entire generation's worst fear. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we sure did. Okay, oh but God. oh my god. Who are we talking to on Monday, Mary Beth? Okay, so this is like Terry's dream interview. This and is it was a, so a awesome. Mark. Yeah, so we are chatting with video game designer Sam Barlow. He's the mind behind games like uh, Her Story. And, and Telling Lies and Immortality, which came out last August, I think. Yeah, and he brought with him a wild animated French movie called The Masters of Time slash Time Masters. And if you've seen me tweeting about that recently, it's because of this recording, because I was like, I don't know what the fuck this movie is, but I'm obsessed with it. Um, so it's we so had good. a, it's really good. So Sam shares a lot of really cool stories about making games. And then we just talk about this weird ass French version, French art house, Euro house version of Star Wars. <laughs> We spend a lot of time in the beginning, uh, the first half of the episode, talking about his career because Sam is a talker and I had so many questions I really wanted to dig into. He talks about working with the screenwriter of Lost Highway with Immortality as well as the screenwriter of uh, Don't Look Now, both of which wrote part of Immortality. Like, it's just, there's so much here and he was such, I'm so thankful that we got to talk with him because this was literally a squee moment for me. I was so fucking excited. So listeners, you've heard from us. We want to hear from you. Did you watch something that we watched or played this week and have thoughts? Do you have suggestions for movies or games for us to cover on the podcast? Send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com or reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at MB McAndrews. And I'm a Gaily Dreadful. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at scarredpodcast. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. And if you want to help us out, support us through Patreon. We're going to be talking about um, a next movie in our new French Extremity watch uh, in the next few weeks. So sign up. Now's the time to do it. And since Scream is out on digital, we're also going to be doing a little spoiler episode with Scream 6. So you Mm -hmm. should become a subscriber before that drops. Mm -hmm. Yay! Thank you. Thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please stay safe out there. Most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. scratch there's a playful way you can do just that scratch with the key or acrylic nail scratch with the quill from a porcupine tail use a belt buckle from your friend lamar or scratch with your pick while you play guitar you can scratch in a bunch of different playful ways scratchers from the california lottery a little play can make your day 
Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player claim. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.